Matic. Becky, great ball in. Ellen White for Manchester City. Welcome back to MCW Fancast. This is our first episode of the 21-22 season. It's great to be back. Hope you've all had a great summer and all is good with you. We're here, we've made it, and those chicken bolty pasties are all but within touching distance. For our first episode of the 21-22 season, we're joined by a friend of the show, Dan Pentland, Chief Editor of FAWSL Full-Time Magazine, and we're looking ahead to the start of the new season. Janine Becky and you're listening to MCW Fancast. Dan, always a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. How are you? Hope you're keeping well. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Emma. You? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. I know you're a busy man, obviously. <laughs> and uh, I always appreciate you taking the time to join us, especially off of the back of what's been an intensely busy summer, what with Tokyo 2020 in the mix. And now we're into the thick of the, the pre-season preparations. It feels as though it's, it's properly crept up on us, though. Yeah, there's been so much going on, hasn't there? But I don't know how many transfers there's been, but it seems like we're in the hundreds. Obviously, the Olympics filled a nice little gap as well. But yeah, here we go. Just quick on the Olympics. What did you make of, obviously, the tournament itself? And were you happy, obviously, with um, the result with Canada and that uh, gold medal finish? Yeah, it was a strange one, I suppose. I'd, I don't know what makes an Olympics different, but it felt like it was very different from a World Cup. It probably wasn't as predictable as you said. The Canada obviously won gold in the end. Um, you know, you saw Sweden and Australia in the latter stages as well. Um, you know, you might not have genuinely, generally kind of seen that in a in a World Cup. So, yeah, it was a funny one. Um, it was wide open, um, and you know whether it comes down to preparation, you know who can handle the heat in Japan. You know, who, who deals with the Olympic village environment and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe that comes into it a little bit. But, yeah, a little bit unexpected. Delighted for Canada. I think Bev Priestman's done a great job there um, in a very short space of time with limited players as well when she first took over. So, yeah, fantastic. And fantastic, obviously, for our English-based players as well. Um, new season, new faces, new challenges as well, I suppose. Uh, many clubs, like you said, have seen changes within the squads this summer. Uh, and like you said, there's been plenty of movement, movement throughout the clubs. Um, some quietly going about their business and others making sort of statement of intent for the season. Um, what can we possibly expect for the WSL this season? And will there be any surprises in this league to contend with, do you think? Yeah, I think everybody looks at Everton on how well they've recruited over the summer. I think Willie Kirk went into the close season with a target. He'd done a lot of groundwork before the end of the season. Um, I think he had probably seven or eight targets, certainly when I spoke to him after the Chelsea game in May, that he wanted to bring in. And, um, you know, it, it sounds to me like he's got a lot of his targets and he's possibly added a little bit more. I think they're up to nine or ten signings now. Um, all of international standard, um, you know, some real quality in there. Um, so if anybody's going to kind of gate crash the top three this year, it could possibly be Everton. 
Um, but again, you're looking at Chelsea, you're going to be very strong. City are hopefully going to be very strong as well. Arsenal have shown in the Champions League that they've got their fans have got a lot to look forward to this year. Um, and then down the bottom, I suppose it's a, it's a lot more tougher to call than what it was last season. You know, there could be five or six sides. Um, you know, Birmingham have obviously changed things a little. West Ham have been mentioned as potential strugglers, but again, they've signed some good players. There's no guarantee they'll be down there. Um, Spurs, I mean, one side which might kind of be a little bit of a shock in terms of maybe not achieving might be Brighton. Um, you know, they're very short on numbers unless they bring some more in before the start of the season. They're going to have a very small squad and obviously, you know, it clicked the second half of last season, but let's not forget where they were in January. They probably need you know, some more experienced bodies, certainly in defence and midfield. Without a doubt. And we'll talk about Everton in a bit, but I mean, it, it feels ultra exciting and I, and I don't feel, and I feel that's really starting to begin to, beginning to translate as well without, throughout the fan bases, obviously getting back in the stadiums and, and clubs welcoming fans back to the stadiums. I mean, the fans truly have been missed. You know, we're looking ahead now and, and getting the fans back and it really is something that I think we can all look forward to. Yeah, I think it's been it's it's worked two ways really. I think the fans have missed getting into the grounds, um, supporting the clubs, um, you know, watching what what's a kind of ever improving product, if you like. Um, likewise, you know, at the same time, the clubs need the fans to certainly the further down the pyramid you go, um, you know, to keep going and obviously keep the budget to a, a decent level to bring in good quality players and progress. Um, so yeah, there's two sides to it. Um, but yeah, I think everybody's delighted. I think the broadcast deal, you know, I, I walked into town the other day and saw Frank Kirby on a billboard. I hadn't seen well, that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that that's the big stadium thing, you know, Spurs playing at home, you know, Arsenal playing at the Emirates, all that kind of thing is going to hopefully bring out a new audience. You know, it, it might not be full houses, but, you know, even if you can bring another couple of thousand into watching games on a regular basis that and then you know that's only going to improve things and you know increase the the profile of the league overall I mean look, Manchester City will start their season campaign with the away trip to Everton a fixture which will be hosted at one of the first major football stadiums built in England Goodison Park and I'm really looking forward to it I can't believe I've never been to Goodison Park so not only first game of the season an away day but also a ground that I can tick off the list that I can say that I've been to. Um, I know you're going yourself. How much are you looking forward to this fixture? Yeah, I think it'd be great. And I think there's little potential twists in the tail on both sides. Obviously, you've got players like Tony Duggan, obviously, on the Everton side, Izzy Christensen, yeah. Hayley Rasso now in the, the City camp as well. So, yeah, there's a little bit of spice in that game. I think everybody's trying to play it down a little bit and you know, it's just another game and, you know, focusing on their own club. But yeah, I think there'll be a bit of spice in it. I think Everton won't be easy opponents regardless of where they play this year. Um, I think it'd be a tricky game. I think they've got a lot of attacking quality in the team now. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, from an Everton point of view, I think points against big sides let them down last year. And I think that's the one thing, their one big goal this year. Um, I know Willie Kirk's mentioned it previously is that they want to go out and play the Arsenals, the Cities, the Chelsea's, the Man United and get regular points on the board because it just hasn't happened for them, you know, in previous seasons. But they look a lot stronger and a lot more, you know, packed full of international experience. And, you know, it's a great test for City as well to see how far they've come 
obviously, you know, the start last year, they probably, the title slipped away a little bit too early on and, you know, it just proved a step too far in the end. So, you know, equally City will want to go there and put down a real marker. Yeah, I mean, no doubt it'll be a tough test for City away and especially for, away from home as well. And like you say, Willie Kirk, has, he's had a good summer, made some stellar signings, building on from the foundations that I feel are already quite strong for Everton, really. We all know how important it is, obviously, to get off to a good start in this league. And both teams, like you say, will be searching for those three points to kick off their season campaigns. And like you said, with Everton, it, it almost feels like they've brought that balance in now of those experienced, more experienced players, like you said. Yeah, I think Willie's gone there with a the plan. Um you know, it wouldn't surprise me that his planning didn't start this time last year, potentially thinking about, you know, in, in each transfer window, what players are going to be required and what they need to build, kind of bring in to build their next block, I suppose, on, you know, on their kind of foundations. Um, you know, he's he's clearly gone into the summer knowing the players that he's wanted to sign. Um, and as, as I say, it shows the backing that Everton's getting. I know they, lost, they obviously lost Russell, but... You know, it shows the backing they're getting from the men's side, the fact that they're able to bring in these players. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think they've announced it yet, but I think I've heard Benison's going there, who was the big the big player in Sweden that I, th- I think, you know, her club really wanted to keep hold of her, but it sounds like she's on the move. Obviously, they've got Amvergaard and Bjorn, who were, again, players who were, you know, in high demand, you know, across Europe, really. Um, you know, Tony Duggan going back there. Um you know, they've really, really recruited well and they're not just recruiting for this season. You know, it looks like they're, they're putting a, t- a team together which is going to flourish for two or three years and, you know, hopefully take them where they want to go. Do you think season objectives for Everton is is getting that top three finished then for Champions League? Um, I think so, yeah, I think so. I think, as I say, I know, I know that Willies want to pick up those points against the big sides and see what happens from there. Um, but there's no doubt in the fact, and I don't think they can hide the fact that they've spent a lot of money this summer and you know they'll have players on decent wages. Um, I think the challenge is, yeah, that they want to get into the Champions League. I suppose a little challenge there that they want to retain players as well. They don't want to be bringing in players for a year to then move to a City or a Chelsea. You know, I suppose they've got to bond them and make sure that they're kind of glued together for a long period. But yeah, I think the the ultimate the ultimate goal is to win silverware and qualify for Europe and yeah you feel like you know that could be achieved this year. Do you think we'll see more clubs utilise ML counterpart stadiums for the WSL season? Obviously with Everton, Goodison Park. You know we've obviously seen quite a few fixtures like you said at Emirates. Uh, United had their their game played behind closed doors at Old Trafford, but that was a major stepping stone for them. Do you think again that we'll see you know more clubs utilize that platform? Yeah, I think it's coming. I think opening weekend you've got a game at Spurs, obviously Everton, Brighton playing at the Amex. It seems to fall within international windows in the men's game. Um, so I'd expect again in November potentially we might have the same again the Super League weekend. You know when they they play the six games um, across the across the weekend they usually play them at men's venues or you know there's ticket incentives that sort of thing and every game's televised so you know the the women's football weekend might bring it out again um we're even seeing it in the championship i think watford are going to play their first three games at vicarage road which is really big for them bearing in mind they were a national league club last season um no doubt that charlton might play a game at the valley i think palace play at sellers park occasionally as well 
Um, so, yeah, I think between the two divisions, I think we will see games played at men's grounds and, um, you know, let's hope it becomes a little bit more regular. So let's talk about City then in their pre-season, which been, well, it's offered little really in terms of pre-season for City. Um, having uh, fully groups at the training at the CFA earlier this week off of the back of the Olympics and a well-earned break for many. The team are now in preparation for their first competitive fixture of the season in the UEFA Women's Champions League against Real Madrid, which takes place next week. The round two ties will be play, take place on either the 31st or 1st of September and the 9th, 8th and 9th with the precise dates to be confirmed in due course with the opening WSL game against Everton sandwiched in between. I mean, it really is an intense scheduling of games really to start the season off, is it? Yeah, it's, it's difficult really because I think we don't know an awful lot about Real Madrid. We obviously know they were put together last year as like a franchise of CD Tacon. Um, they've had a year, they've obviously got Champions League first year round, which is pretty impressive. Um, and as, as we know with City, with Spanish teams, they're never, ever easy games. And, you know, Don't it, over it, Dan. It, it looks over like, it. You know, <laughs> if, if you look at the fact that they've played Atletico Madrid twice and they've been in a similar position to Real Madrid, it shows that it's going to be a difficult tie over two legs. You've obviously got that game at Everton's not going to be easy. Um, and obviously you've got players coming back in from the Olympics. Um, the squad still looks a little bit light in one or two areas. Um, so there's going to be extra demands on certain players as well. Um, and obviously there's a few injuries in one or two key positions last year as well. Um, so, yeah, it's not going to be an easy start to the season, but I think there's other clubs in a similar kind of boat to City. Um, you know, obviously Arsenal have spent the last week in Russia playing two games and, you know, I think they start off with Chelsea at home, don't they? And I think they've got City quite early in the season as well. Um, but... Yeah, um, it's going to be an endurance test. Um, and, you know, if those sides at the top who have a lot of games falter, um, I suppose, you know, you've got Chelsea who don't come into the Champions League later on. It'll be until later on, will look to capitalise Man United, Everton. Um, you know, so there could be a little bit of catch up. But, yeah, it's just going to be about squad management, keeping everybody fit, um, you know, and just trying to manage minutes as best as possible, I suppose. Like you said, Real Madrid will be competing in the Champions League for the first time. Um, and I suppose you could say the Spanish team will want, even though they're unseeded, they were probably one of the, the, the toughest opponents that City could have potentially drew in this in this round. And although City may be favourites to progress in the tournament, we can ill afford to to kind of take take chances and, and we will really need to hit the ground running from the off. I suppose what comes into that is looking back to last season where City were almost slow off the mark, you know, and, and it cost us uh, potentially, you know, towards the end of the season where, you know, we dropped points at the start of the season that, you know, games where we should have gone and won. And, and I think, like you said, you know, the injury concerns where, you know, obviously we've learned this week that Lucy Bronze potentially might not start the season with us, obviously at following a knee surgery. Um, obviously we know that Chloe Kelly is missing from the squad. Um, how much time and opportunity have the, the new players had within the squad to, to, you know, to bed in, to obviously become accustomed to the environment, you know, so there's obviously a lot of mitigating factors within this, obviously heading into the start of the season too. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, firstly, looking at Real Madrid, I think the fact that they're in the Champions League for the first time, make no doubt about it, they'll have their eyes on getting into the next round. Really? And, you know, they'll, they'll see taking on Man City, you know, one of the top, 
probably certainly one of the top eight teams in Europe at the minute. Um, you know, they'll see that as a big incentive, you know, for them to achieve that goal and cause a bit of an upset. Although you can argue, would it be an upset given the money that I'm sure Real Madrid will be um, ploughing in behind the scenes? But yeah, for City, I think it's very difficult. I think there's obviously there's the injury factor. There's the fact that you've got players coming back from the Olympics who've only just linked up with the squad recently. Um, and I just think there's a couple of positions where if you lose a player or if a player you can't kind of be risked, I suppose, if they're carrying a knock, um, they're just a little bit, particularly at the at the back end of the pitch, they're just a little bit short, I think. Um, but that doesn't mean to say, I mean, I don't know what, presumably the registration deadline for the Champions League must be coming up quite soon, but it doesn't mean to say before the start of the domestic season, Gareth's not going to bring one or two players in. In fact, I would be surprised if he didn't. Um, given the situation they're in. But yeah, it's going to be a tough one. They've just got to get through it and then obviously see what the next round brings up, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, let's look ahead now to the to the Women's Super League for the 21-22 season. It will see the women's game move to a mainstream broadcaster with potentially improved coverage, reaching a whole new audience with many positives to hopefully come from the move that will hopefully continue to see the women's game grow and improve um, in time what teams do you think could surprise us and who do you think has done the best business across the summer so far I say so far because I still don't think we're done <laughs> no absolutely and I think yeah I think you can see I've certainly noticed from those friendly games which have been publicized in the last few weeks there's a couple of trialists named in squad so I would expect that clubs are kind of dotting I's and crossing T's as far as some last-minute deals are concerned. Um, as I say, there's certainly at least one club who I'd be very surprised if they didn't add another three or four players before the start of the season because they're going to be very short. Um, and obviously, last-minute loans, you don't know. You know, some players who aren't going to be guaranteed minutes might get shipped out to get some game time week in, week out as well. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of that to come. Um, in terms of surprises this season, I think it wouldn't be a surprise, we've already said Everton, um, I think Arsenal potentially are looking very bright. I think it it might be a shock if they're getting, you know, either win it or come second. But I think there could be a stronger proposition than there were last year as long as they avoid injuries. Um, Man United, I think Mark Skinner, it's a clever appointment. I think um, he knows how to play. He's, he's, he's very tactically aware. Um, but I think he knows how to play the crowd as well and, you know, get them on side and kind of get everybody together as that one club. So I think, you know, there'll be a lot of harmony in that team, I think, as they go into the new season. Um, and looking lower down the pack, who could potentially jump out? Um, I don't know, maybe Aston Villa have signed quite well. Obviously, Carla Ward, we know, is a very bright young manager. Um, brought in four or five, you know, plus really experienced players um, and of a decent quality. Players like Hannah Hampton, you know, really good signings. Remy Allen, who's pulled the strings in midfield in this league for a lot of years. Um, you know, they might do quite well. And I, I suppose a real unknown for me is West Ham. We don't know a lot about Oli Harder. We know, obviously, he's turned a team round in, in Norway previously. Um, a few outside-of-the-box signings there, I think. So, you know, let's see what they can do. You know, equally, they might not have such a good season. Um, and then down the bottom... I think Birmingham will improve whether they've got enough compared to the rest of the the rest of the league. Kind of, let's see what happens there. Um, I'm not so sure about Spurs. Obviously, they didn't have a great end to the you know the, the campaign last year. 
Um, and I, I suppose when we're talking about surprise packages, what are Leicester going to do as well? You know, very ambitious board, great backing. And they've got a good good people running the club, good manager. Um, and they've, they've built a very good squad and they've added to it quite cleverly over the summer. Um, so, you know, maybe they're one to, to push towards the top half or the bottom half or into the top half. Yeah, I mean, obviously Leicester City joined the, the WSL for the first time in their history, having made that transition to part-time to full-time and, and going through that whole process and just reward really for, for their efforts and, and all the investment that they've made uh, at the club as well for their women's team. Um, and a welcomed addition to the league. You know, we've obviously played Leicester a few times in the FA Cup and they've always gave us a game. So that for me, they're definitely not one to be underestimated, especially with the signings that they've made for the squad for the summer. Yeah, I think, you know, some people love it or hate it. If a team throws money at, at, at their squad of players and at a competition and they want to do well, you have to accept them in the league. Um, you know, there'll be some jealousy there, the fact that, you know, they're relatively well run and, you know, they're showing a lot of ambition. Um, but, you know, Jonathan Morgan put together a, a squad which I would say is probably stronger than any side in the championship this season. I think if they played in it again, they'd win it. He's mm-hmm. got some good forwards there, Natasha Flint, Shannon O'Brien, uh, Lechamp Paul's another good player. Um, but I think he's been very, very clever in the transfer market as well. He's gone to get people like Abby McManus, who's obviously, a, you know, got England caps. Molly Pike hasn't been playing at Everton, but when she did play, she was very creative. A lot of assists there. Um, you know, he's, he's just gone for quality, um, you know, and, and added a few young players as well who were only going to blossom and make the team stronger. So, yeah, I think he's added really well to a really solid base which was already there and um you know yeah they're going to be a welcome addition and I don't think they're going to be an easy opponent for anybody yeah. I think as well you know like when you see like players like Jess Sigsworth that's obviously played at sort of you know United and, and Abby McManus as well like you said and, and that have made that sort of transition to the club as well you know a team coming up to the league I think that's a really positive move as well yeah, I mean, if we look at Sigsworth, I mean, if she she probably didn't play as much at United last year's, you know, she probably needed to. Um, we know she's too good to play in the championship. You know, with more minutes, she's she's surely going to get more goals in in the Super League. Um, you know, she's going to have plenty of creativity around her. She's potentially going to have Natasha Flint, Flint to play off, who you know is a really strong player. She'll hold the ball up well for her. Um, so yeah, I think she'll fit in really well there. And yeah, they're making all the right noises, they're signing lots of great experienced players. Yeah. And City themselves are seeing plenty of comings and going. Um, as to be expected, but what have you made of the business done so far and the latest additions to Gareth Taylor's side? Yeah, I think we've had four signings so far, haven't we? I think we've got Ruby Mace, who's obviously one for the future. Um, playing a number of positions. I think she was centre-back last year at Birmingham. She could play full-back, um, playing midfield. Obviously, with the shortage of um, centre-backs at the minute at the club, she could be an option, um, certainly to fill gaps when they appear. Um, Bunny Shaw's obviously got goals at a very high level in one, one or two. European football's pro- probably top three or four leagues. Um, so, again, she should do very well and get lots of goals in this city side. Um who else have they got? Um, Vicky Lasada from Barcelona, obviously great player, um, you know, European winner. Um, she'll fill that gap left by um, Sam Mewis's departure quite nicely, I think. 
and Hayley Rasso, I suppose Hayley, you can play wherever you want to play out wide. Um, you know, she could slot in at fullback if you wanted her to. You could play her in midfield. You could probably play her as a wing forward as well, um, like Everton did a little bit last season. Um, so again, she's got great adaptability. Um, I just think they're maybe a little bit short in the centre of the park. I think, you know, another central midfielder, you know, an experienced defender, somebody of an age, you know, I don't know, between 24 and 29, who's experienced in the European game. Um, you know, because it, it feels you're at both ends of the scale. You've got people like Esme, Esme Morgan, who, you know, is still very young. And you've got Steph Houghton, who's obviously in the latter stages of a career now. So somebody who's well-seasoned, if you like, to slot in there. Um, you know, would probably feel a little bit of a, a weakness, I feel, at the minute. Do you do you almost feel surprised about the departure of Dal Kemper? No, I don't think it did, because I think there was all, always those rumblings and you just kind of wondered, you know, is she happy here? Is, is she really got long-term plans to be here? It always felt like there could be a move. Um, I think it's disappointing with the American players and maybe that's a lesson that City maybe learned going forward. I think, obviously, when their league... Um, you know, particularly thinking about Sam Mewis and Rose Lavelle. Obviously, when there was no football in America, they've obviously come over here and had a season in England. It's bitterly disappointing, I think, that you've got three American players who've opted to go straight back to America, really. Um, it obviously leaves holes in the City team. You know, they've, they've had the benefit for a few months, but it now means that the club are re-recruiting again and looking for players, you know, to, to match those players who are going back. Um, I think if I was Gareth Taylor, if the opportunity came up again, I'd probably think slightly different. I know Mewis, obviously, in particular, was fantastic last year. Um, but they just don't seem to stay over here for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and to me, if you're building a team and you're wanting a team to compete at the very highest level for a number of years, they might not be necessarily the best options. But yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't completely surprise me because it sounded like it might happen. Um, but yeah, I just think they've got a great benefit of players, you know, like Mewis last year, but are they a long-term option? You know, probably not. It might be a different recruitment route that the club's got to look at in the future. We'll reflect back on this this COVID season as as the year when the, <laughs> the Americans came over. And, uh, you know, I think it had uh, positives for us as much as that had positives for them. Obviously, it gave them game time in terms of, that preparation and, and getting the regular minutes and, and keeping their fit, fitness up, um, you know, with eyes on obviously Tokyo and one thing and another. I think for us, it's more the fact that it enables us to, to go onto a platform with a, a, a wider audience, if you want a, a more global audience and, and sort of the viewership figures of obviously those Americans, you know, over land, over sea, sort of tuning in and sort of being introduced to the WSL, I suppose, you know, hopefully that might continue. There might be a little bit more interest from sort of overseas and that global sort of audience. Yeah, possibly. Um, I think the, the, the vibe I get from, American players and I got it a little bit from Alex Morgan as well which you know was a, a move which probably out of the four worked out the least um, I, I kind of got the vibe that what happens in you know the United States national team is kind of the be all and end all you probably wouldn't get a player like Steph Houghton I know she wears three lines on her or three lionesses on her chest and you know she lives and breathes England but I don't get that same vibe that it's kind of the, you know, the, the ultimate or, you know, the everything um, in terms of England, you know, obviously she cares every, every bit as much about a club as well. 
but it feels like there's so much of a demand on American players and, you know, so kind of like the, the dream is to, turning out for that American side that, you know, the world champions, um, you know, maybe that staying fit and, you know, proving themselves when, when the American League's down, you know, due to COVID might have been kind of the be-all and end-all and, you know, City have just ripped, reaped a little bit of a benefit out of it having the players over here. But, yeah, it's a, it was a strange situation. Obviously, we might never get it again with the pandemic. Hopefully, we won't where we've got leagues, you know, not not playing due to, you know, unforeseen circumstances. But, yeah, it's it's a strange one, the United States. And, yeah, I'm, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know going forward whether it's the way forward to get more Americans in the game. You know, if the opportunity comes up again, it might not. Yeah, I, I, it, it's it's going to be one that we'll just remember it for for what it was. I think in obviously with so many savvy additions across the league um, and the potential deal still yet to be done that we've you know we've touched on upon. Who do you think will be the ones to watch, and and who do you think will be those players that will sort of make the biggest impact? I think Lasada is going to be big at City without a doubt, and I think Bunny Shaw is going to be very big at City. As I say, if you can go and be top scorer in France, which you know, in against players again who are playing for Lyon and PSG, that takes some doing. That so I think yeah, I think she she's definitely going to be one to watch. But I wouldn't like to be Gareth Taylor trying to balance that forward line because one thing City have got is a lot of exceptional forward players. That's one area that they're really strong. I think. Um, I think Lasada's obviously a quality player. She's got big, big boots to fill. But when you come with a European title, there's you can't come with much more, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I think those players will shine in terms of of City signings. Um, I've been impressed with Iwabuchi at Arsenal. Obviously, we couldn't really judge her based on the team she was in last year. She's done very well with Japan over the summer, um, particularly in the warm up matches for the Olympics. Um, she done exceptionally well scored a great goal in the Champions League the other day so I think she's going to be one to watch and I think she'll really help Arsenal um, we keep saying Everton but again Anna Ramvergaard I'm sure will have a, a good year with Everton um, you know again lots of quality players um, Govan if she stays fit all season obviously she had a lot of injury problems last year but again they could have a 10-15 goal a season striker there yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what some of the, I don't really want to call them lesser clubs, but obviously Brighton have got Baba GD and Carter. It'll be decent. It'll be interesting to see whether you know they're decent signings. See whether they can live up to the league. I think Lee as well at Brighton. Um, obviously she had her in last year and she was just getting a fit and up to speed and she liked what she saw and she started to deliver the goods at the end of last year. Um, so I think she could have a good season. Um, we haven't touched on them yet, but Reading. Um, you know, Dan Rose has gone there. Um, Kelly Chambers going for experience at Reading again. Um, I think they've just signed a, a Belgian midfielder as well. I don't know a lot about her, um, but she comes with a very good pedigree. Um, so yeah, I think Reading make all the right noises. And you know, to stay given all the money in the league, I don't think Reading have the biggest budget to be able to stay there and be competitive in the league year after year is a real credit to what they do there. I mean, I usually ask you for a prediction, but you usually tell me, no, I'm not going to give you one. You have to buy the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I'm just putting together my predictions at the minute, actually. I've done championship. God help me doing it. Well, to be fair, that was harder. Oh. Um, Super League should be a doddle compared to that. But yeah, we'll have a new issue coming out probably just after the Everton game. 
I'm yet to link in with the the Man City OS, OSC guys, but hopefully we'll get them back available in the ground as well. Um, so predictions, transfers, usual news in there. Um, but yeah, hopefully we're, we're we're back to pre-COVID. Yeah, definitely. And and you also do magazine subscriptions for the season as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so they're on from July, but we've still got issues available. So you know, if you've missed one, we can certainly fill you in. Or likewise, if you if you used to get them and you you're still waiting for you know older copies to fill in you you know if you missed any, we've got back issues available. Um, but yeah, subscriptions are thirty quid for the season if you want to get a paper copy. Um, or £12 digital and we just email you a copy each month. Brilliant. Um, and I suppose I've got to plug the socials as, as well while you're here. I'm, rub- I'm rubbish at socials, but yeah. Um, Twitter's you the can best remember one. him. I've done it for ages. Yeah, Instagram, you'll find us and Facebook, you'll find us. But yeah, not as popular. I'll link it in the description anyway. All right, Dan, thank you so much for chatting to me tonight. It's been uh, great to catch up and obviously, hopefully, I'll see you at some point during the season, hopefully at Everton. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Emma. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Cheers, Dan. Bye. Thanks to Dan for joining me on this week's show. We'll be back next week, but this time we'll be getting the thoughts of the fans and chatting to the OSC ahead of the start of the season. Thanks for listening. And if you're on social media, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at MCWFancast. And we'll see you next week. Bye.